All right, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Who podcast. I'm your co-host, Coach Maples, a.k.a. Jay Mapes, here as always with Kings, do-ragged up. Uh, I'm pretty sure at this point he's got every color in the rainbow. I done seen it all, man. So <laughs> what's going on, my boy? Man, chilling. Just got done with this first some of the uh, early summer league games. You know, you got the early reactions. Right, right. Every summer league. You know, you know, we you know we got to start there, man. So um I look for two things basically before we get into this over. I look for two things for highly drafted guys, uh, or just you know, two things in general from highly drafted guys and guys who've been there. One, is it not overwhelming for them just being there? I think all the guys we the, the main three guys we're gonna talk about today, I think that was the case. They all checked that box as far as not being overwhelmed, as far as you know, Cade, Mobley. And uh, JG Jalen Green, and two mm-hmm. for the guys who are there for a second year. It looks like they played a year NBA basketball. I think we saw that with a, a Coral, even though they hadn't played out of position. People hadn't played a one, and I think we definitely saw from Sadiq Bay. He was a uh, definitely you could tell he played a year uh, in the pros and got a lot of minutes. So from those guys, anyway, it's time for overreactions, man. Uh, what are your? What, <laughs> I know Jalen Green was pretty special, and um. In his game, the shot making, the, the jump shot, really, that was really the question mark. You can tell he's been in the lab with that so much smoother off the dribble, way more fluid. And the athleticism, yeah. athleticism literally pops off at the screen at you. Seems like he's yeah. at a different speed than anybody else. So initial thoughts, let's start there with uh, Jalen Green. Uh, let me have it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jalen Green, you know, coming in, I guess this is, it's not, I don't know if it's a hot take still, but because I already said it a long time ago, but I had Jalen Green number one uh, in, in my draft board on this class, and I, I, I projected more so uh, down the line. I, I looked at high upside, uh, who had the highest upside, as well as who have the star potential players, and I saw that with Jalen Green. Um, I, I saw a lot of star potential with Mobley for a lot of things go right. I'm not sure they will all go right, but, but if it, it went right, I saw a lot of star potential with Mobley, and I knew that K would be the most ready coming out. But I thought his ceiling, in my opinion, was a little bit more limited than the other two. But uh, Jalen Green, man, he has a lot of moves. He's very fluid. That's the one thing that I noticed the most. There's always something I noticed uh, first when I watch guys, uh, and for Jalen Green, it was just his fluidity with his with his, with the ball. Uh, very very fluid movements. He's not stiff. He knows what he wants to do. He can react very uh, confidently and comfortably, and he's comfortable with the ball in his hands. And that's the great, that's what you always want to score. You want the, the score to be comf- comfortable with the ball and know how to handle the ball. And he can, um, you know, he can, he can make a lot, he can do a lot of moves. He can finish at the rim and he can, he can shoot, man. He can shoot off the bounce. He can, I think I'm not I'm not sh- sure on his catch and shoot. I mean, we haven't seen it in the summer league, but when I was watching some of the, uh, uh, you know, the G League games, he was he was pretty comfortable in the catch and shoot situation as well. So he's going to be the best scorer in the draft. I mean, you heard guys say that he'll average 30 points per game at some point <laughs> in, 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 the, in the league in his career. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe I agree with them. No, I agree with them. I think he has the athleticism and the skill set to be able to do that. Um, but the key for him, uh, the key for him, Maples, man, and I was getting to it, people on the timeline, he has to grow into his body, man. Yes, Look, yes. Very, very frail, very frail. Look, y'all, he's 180. <laughs> I had one of my mutuals, man. 
shout out to the Houston sports guy, man. I fuck with you, bro. But, you know, you brought up AI, but and I get it because you're a Rockets fan. Jalen Green, is a, you feel is an outlier. But, man, we talk about Allen Iverson, bro. I'm about to say, that's, that's, <laughs> like, a, I'm not, that's a different speed. That's a different speed. Like, Green is fast, but Iverson is a different type of fast. But, and he has a he had a different type of handle. But, yeah, right, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, that's... <laughs> That we talking about a whole different type of guy who like that's an, an anomaly of an anomaly, you know what I mean? For him to be able to do what he did at his height and his weight in the NBA, like we almost will we'll probably never see that again. It Isaiah Thomas was the next closest, and he was more you know bulky, you know what I mean? Even though he was small height wise, he was kind of bulky, but he didn't even have the longevity that AI had. You know what I mean? It took him a while to adjust. So it's like. Man, the size of Jalen Green, man, 180 is not going to cut it, bro. Not about to average 20 points per game in the NBA at 180 pounds. That's not happening. You know what I mean? At least in year one for him anyway. It's not going to happen, fellas. I'm sorry. He's not going to average 20 points per game as a rookie. Mm-hmm. We're not even getting to the fact that he'll even get the shots to do that because he's going to be playing with KPJ, Wood, and you know, we don't know the John Wall situation, but they probably just going to have to eat his contract and keep him there. So it's like he's not even going to get the looks to do all that. Guys, I get it. He's fun. He has a fun skill set. He has athleticism. Let him develop, man. Let him develop. Stop all this nonsense of he's going to come in average 20, or that he's a better scoring prospect than Luka Doncic was. Because I watched both of them. Luka Doncic had <laughs> counter, every counter you can think of So and was big. So please don't compare him to dudes. Only five teenagers in the history of the NBA have averaged 20 points per game. Five. I'll list you then. Luka Doncic, Zion Williamson, uh, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade. You talk about generational talents. Wait, Dwayne, I thought Dwayne, I thought Dwayne oh, was 21. Yeah, Dwayne Wade was even 21. So I yeah. forgot who the, who the other one. I know Carmelo, LeBron, oh, KD, KD, KD. KD, KD. Talk about generational talents, bro. You know what I mean? Zion freak, Zion LeBron freak of nature athletes. Mellow generational score, KD arguably the greatest score of all time, and we all know Luka Doncic is up next. All right, so pump the brakes, pump the brakes here with 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 the Jalen Green rookie yeah, rookie talk. I think I think Tyreek Evans did it too. He was remember the first rookie twenty five and five. But was he was he a teenager when he did it though? That's, he was one and done. Was Tyreek was one and done with Calipari. He was one, he was one and done, but I don't know if he was an older guy. Like, oh, okay, he was right, 20, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, cause he he might have been an older he might have been an older guy. We'll, we'll have to get up the Temple but, hoops. But then you know you know. But then again, even if you add him, that's another dude who was who had an NBA ready body from year one. You he know was six five two twenty two twenty. So you know what I'm saying <laughs> you know what I mean, and like like you get our point here, fellas. You gotta be you gotta be NBA ready, or you gotta be a, a seven foot alien like KD. You know what I mean? Like right. Slow down. That's all we gotta do. Yeah, I, I would say, man, if you, you get him at the 15, 16 points, he's well on his way. I think that's a that's yep. an accurate, that's an accurate. Even the, the main scores now, a lot of them came out the gate averaging 12, 13, you know, 14, mm-hmm. 15 points that grew into that just because it's a few things. A you going from 30 games a year to 82, bro. You know yep. what I'm saying? That, that part, your body, you got to deal with more, like you said, I saw you mentioned way more complicated defenses way more athletic defenders and just a general uptick in talent, you know, on both ends. So it's a little harder to get 20. So that, that's the other it, thing you got to consider. It's tough to gain adjusted. But I mean, if you see Jalen Green on the level of Luka Doncic and other guys, and yeah, in your mind's like, oh, yeah, he can definitely do 20. But he's not those type of prospects, bro. I'm sorry to tell is you. It, well, his, his, like, his body's just not there yet. It's not there yet. And that matters. Like, this is a grown man's league, y'all. I, yeah, I'll say this. Relative to Cade, 
and Mobley. I think Jalen may see a little bit more early success mm-hmm. because the athleticism isn't going to bother him. You know, Cade, Cade the, the, the physicality will. I'm talking about the sheer athleticism won't right, right. bother him. Like, I think it's going to push, push particularly Cade because he's going to be out in space against more quicker, more athletic guys. He's right. shown that, but to, to Cade's credit, he's shown that those guys can't speed him up. I'm just curious to see if he can get the same level of separation with right. the setbacks he loves to get guys on his hip, to get to his crafty finishing, to his mid-range game. I'm interested to see if he can do the same. And then with Mobley, he's just he's just a stick right now. I think he has great touch. I think that's a flash by BMO. He has great touch. Uh, he hit a couple floaters from a little further distance than that's usually comfortable for bigger guys. He knocked him down. He's very fluid running up and down the floor. People think that the AD comp is outrageous, but you can see in, in his movements. I don't think he has what AD has offensively. Of course. Yeah, it's, but I think, like, you can see the potential defensively to, to the, wreck a game. And when he switched out in space against guards, he was more than comfortable. That was the impression to me with uh, the Mobley, too. It's the it's the physical. It's more of the physical comparisons. Right, in terms right, right, of how, right, right. How they run, how they move, how fluid they are in their movements. It's obviously not an impact on the game because even though AD was still raw offensive talent, yeah. he had more refined uh, skill sets offensively and he was also a little bit bigger he was no he was also pretty uh no a little bit bigger than Mobley he was also thin but AD had some more frame on his body and more size on his body than uh, Mobley did uh, and I guess that's my also my second hot take on Mobley and we were having a discussion with this on the spaces we got some heated discussion on this and <laughs> why did they trip sign Allen if they if they're gonna draft Mobley and I came to the realization Within the past two weeks, man, like that was the right thing from Cavs. Well, number one, they had to retain their asset. They gave up a first to get Allen. And number two, Mobley is not an NBA starting center, bro. Like, I just I think get, people I just need to that. accept that and that, that he needs to be brought along. He needs to be growing into his body. Mobley can be a very, 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 very uh, g- uh, good big man. He can be very impactful, but his development needs to be done right. And he can't just be thrown in to a fire like that at his size, risk getting some, you know, messed up injury or something because his body's not ready to handle certain type of minutes. He needs to be able to be brought along. He needs to be able to be able to put mass on his body. He really needs to take these first two years to put mass on his body, be able to take the bumps and bruises in the NBA. That's going to be very crucial for, for Mobley. He's not starting big. Yes, he was drafted number three, but you have to be smart with, with what you're drafted. He was drafted number three because of the pops, the flashes, yeah. but he projects to be down the road. We know it's going to be very impactful, but it can go very wrong if you don't handle the uh, the development properly. So I think the Cavs were smart in saying, hey, if we're going to draft Mobley, we know he can't start right away. We'll start Allen. No, Allen is not a 35 minutes per game center. You know what I mean? He's They're playing 20, 20, 20, yeah, 25 to 30 minutes, 28 minutes. Mobley will be able to get his 16, 18, maybe even a 20-plus minutes if he plays the four with Allen at the five side. You know what I mean? He's going to get his 20-plus minutes. He's still going to play, but the, the burden is not going to be on him to be impactful, super impactful right away because he has Jared Allen to fall back on. He'll have Larry Nance to fall back on. That's actually a smart plan by uh, the Cavs there. You can talk about how they're messing up Garland and Sexton and that whole mess. That's a whole separate situation. <laughs> but how they're bringing on Mobley, I think it's actually – pretty smart how they bring out mobile in my opinion because i don't think mobile is ready right away yet yeah i think the timeline works perfectly if you, if, like you listen to kobe altman talk about you know the timeline he was on getting interviewed today so if mobley pops let's say two years 
where the cap is going, cap is always going to be rising. Allen has a lot of value at 20 million a year, right? Oh, absolutely. So you, you get off him and get somebody easily. else in a position you want easily. He's always going to have value because a center who can play like him, teams need that lob threat, defends the rim, mobile, athletic in space, right? So you move him for whatever you need at that point. You know, guard, wing, when Mobley comes along. So I think it's perfect. I don't think it's going to take Mobley four years to play. So you'll be able Absolutely to get off not. Allen for something at some point in time. So Cade did not have the same popping uh, intro that Jalen had, five for 17. What I did what I did like, though, from Cade, the passing gift is there. Yeah. It's there. It's just, you know, you playing with, you know, G League, replacement level, below replacement level bigs. They don't have the same hands ready. They can't finish your – pocket passes, but the Detroit wings and the Fords and bigs are going to love, you know, rolling for him and diving to the hole. His division is there. So oh, I absolutely. Think, I, I think that's there. Uh, what popped about, what popped to you about Cade today? When, what I saw, man, it was just, he, he still has the same points. Yep. Uh, even when he's playing bad or not making shots, you still try to find ways to be impactful. And that's why he's gonna be he's he's gonna be rookie of the year. Everybody's high on Jalen Green because he's pop popping. But Tony said a great point in the group chat. It's, look, NBA Summer League is pickup game, bro. <laughs> like Jalen Green's weakness in physicality is not gonna show in a pickup game because nobody's gonna really try and get him off his spot. Nobody's designing a scheme. That's gonna make guys get physical with him. Like they can't do nothing with him in the summer league. It's too easy. It's like like Tony said, he's playing bums. You know what I mean? So it's like bums is defending Jalen Green. You know, in a comparative, in terms of a comparative standpoint of talent, you know, bums is guarding him. So he's he's not gonna he's not gonna look off his game right now. Right, he's, right, right. He, they can't get him off his game. He's too skillful for them. So of course he's gonna pop. But somebody like you know. Like, you know, like, hey, you know, he has, like you said, a more floor general style. Uh, he, he, he thrives off making other guys better. So you have to be capable. You know what I mean? Because that's part of his game. You know, you leveraging the others for to help open up his, uh, his scoring to make it more easy. You know what I mean? Like, and, and right, we've right. seen lots of those guys who are also uh, bigger players, you know what I mean? Bigger guys, you know what I mean? Coming into summer league and, and throw up some bad shooting nights because they're just trying to shoot themselves in the rhythm. They're trying to, you know, figure out, you know, what they like to do, you know, try to, you know, so like when you come into the NBA league, you know, that, you know, the type of talent you are, you're just trying to see what works. You know what I mean? You're just trying to see what you like to do, what you're going to be your go-to going forward. So I with KD, so I with Braun, they were just experimenting in summer league. You know what I mean? They want to see what they're going to do when they get to the league. Someone like Jalen Green, he's already been in the league. You know what I mean? He's already gotten the G League to experiment. You know what I mean? To refine the type of moves he wants. So when he's coming into the summer league, he already knows, well, I, I've been doing this, so I'm going to just keep doing it. But right. when you're who hasn't played NBA guys, it's a different level. You got right. more experience. So my follow-up question to you is, would you see these, if, if Jalen Green does have early success and guys see that, is that going to make the G League Ignite squad that much more desirable? Because obviously people are going to attribute it to him being playing under NBA rules for a year, NBA coaching, NBA pace, right? So do you think if he has early success, do you think more guys will go the G League Ignite route? I think yes, 
for Jalen Green, I think he'll he'll definitely he'll definitely be the the vocal point. If he like hits sixteen a game and he shoots well from his splits, yeah, he'll be the vocal point. Uh, I think Cade because he's just bigger. He'll have. I think overall, Cade will have a better scoring year because he's just a bigger, more better, ready NBA body. He can shoot very well. So I just think he'll be able to be more consistent. But I think if Jalen Green does well, even at his size, he'll definitely he'll definitely show that. Hey, and he pops if he pops more with like better highlights. He'll be like, oh yeah, G League is gets you more ready to do NBA style hooping. Right. But <laughs> I, I I think the most biggest key uh, talking point, at least for like. Uh, scouts and for like people who are in the business aspect of the NBA, I think the guy who will be the biggest selling point for the G League the most is Kaminga. I think if Kaminga really pops or shows some type of you know great some great stuff this year, I think people will be like, hey, that G League really helped because Kaminga was looking rough, you know, before that G League uh, run. From what I was hearing, he was projected to be like a twentieth first round pick. They wasn't sure if he was a lottery pick. And after the G League stint, all of a sudden, he's talking about as a high lottery guy, high upside guy. So I think right. Kaminga will be the best selling point. I'll say this as far as Kaminga. This is from guys that are connected to, to B. Shaw, who was the coach of that team. Because of the circumstances due to injuries, guys not around, they asked Kaminga to do a lot more. So that's why his numbers fell off the way they did. But he's a little more ready to play than his numbers scream. They just had him way out of role. The Warriors will not ask him to do a lot of all that on-ball stuff he was trying to do with the G League. So I just put that out there that his his splits are misleading because he was misplaced in his role. So mm-hmm. if he puts a little uh, you know earlier than expected as far as his production, that's the reason why. Like it was always there. It's just he's not playing, you know, above his pay grade right now, above above underwater. You know what I'm saying? Where he, he can mm-hmm. he can be at that point. Uh, moving on. NBA second straight year, there was a, a big tampering issue uh, raised last year. It was the Bogdanovich signing with the Bucks that mm-hmm. actually ended up being uh, completely just thrown away by all the teams involved. This year, there were two: Kyle Lowry going to the Miami Heat for Precious. I don't want to say last. Don't want to butcher the last name. Precious and Goran Dragic, and then the Chicago Bulls acquiring Lonzo Ball from the Pelicans for. Thomas Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, second round picks. There was um, a tempering issue raised considering, I think, what the, it was free agency. And then 10 seconds later, the deals were announced, right? <laughs> I think so, yeah. so, so. I think the NBA just couldn't ignore it at that point, given what happened last year. From what I was told, from what I was explained on, on the timeline, at least, that it's only raised if somebody blows the whistle. So, Clearly, either there's an owner or a management front office upset with how those things were handled. I think I know who it is, too. Yeah, uh, we have speculation who we know who it is. But just in these two situations, what are, you, what, what are your feelings about tampering? Because but my, my opinion is it's one of those things that's so hard to police. You can't really – you know, NBA has a team where we can check your text messages – we can uh, we can uh, audit your take audit your phone text messages emails, but it's just it's so hard to police. So where are you with the tampering thing, and in, in particular these two situations? Do you think you know? I mean, uh, last year we know what happened with the Bogdan trade. Uh, <laughs> you no know, word has it that the reason that trade fell through 
was that the folks in Miami was very upset because they knew that that mean uh, Giannis was most likely to resign, and they called foul to try and stop block the trade so that Giannis they can have a better shot at Giannis, you know, and and uh, you know for, for the Bucks they didn't go through with the trade because they didn't want any hard hits on them. Um, so fast forward to this year, I think word on the street is that the Bucks, because of what happened last year, <laughs> called the league up about Kyle Lowry as a little payback and told them that, hey, what's going on here? You, to- you-, you told us about this last year. So what's going on with this situation? And, uh, you know, it's just, it's tough because if the league was fair, technically this trade shouldn't go down, signing trade shouldn't go down. But it, it goes back to that, that, that feeling that fans have with the bias towards large market teams. Right. You know, the Chicago's, the uh, Miami's can get away with it, right? But the Milwaukee's can't go through with their trade uh, because the league is fine with having small market teams lose stars to bigger market teams, but they don't want bigger market teams to not have non-competitive teams. They want them to have household names. So, you know, the league has to do something. I, th- I always thought this more moratorium just I, I just don't understand it if you can start talking to free agents like four days before they actually sign like, like I just don't understand that that time point like like is that is like I don't feel like that's how it is with the NFL you know what I mean you don't hear these type of tampering noises with the NFL you know what I mean like once free agency starts you know then you can just sign whoever you don't have this moratorium I, I believe Right, like we, uh, you can start talking, and then four days later you sign. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Now, I mean, NBA offseason is backwards; it's built for drama. But in terms of like actually signing, you know what I mean, and, and, and fielding teams, like it's just backwards. It's more driven for entertainment and, and views and clicks than it is for like actual execution of signing by the front office. So they need to clean this up. They need to. You know, I don't know what they need to do, but it's, it's they need to stop acting like their 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 uh, anti tampering rules exist, bro. Because we we will hear all these rumors, and then when the moratorium starts, you have commitments right out the gate. So it's like I don't know what it is that they need to do, but that moratoriums have got to go. You have a free agency signing period. Once that period starts, anything goes. And that's how they need to do it. Yeah, I think that I think a couple owners were even trying. I think Houston was the team leading and they had a couple of teams behind them trying to switch the free agency in the draft. Like I the NFL does it. I, that, I think that makes sense you know, to have the, the draft first or to have the uh, free agency first. So obviously, this because everybody draws back to the Lakers situation. Everything's about the Lakers at the end of the day. Um, this bought up. But what about the Lakers with Anthony Davis? Nobody said anything about that. And the tampering rules say that players aren't allowed to tamper. But Adam Silver went, it's a quote, he went deeper into it saying, we're not going to referee players trying to link up, even if they're in the contract. That's too muddy trying to change that. Way too muddy. Yeah. He said, as long as they're not doing it at the behest of the team, they're not going to do anything about that. So explain, I think we both, all the time I try to tell people like it's different because 
that's the players involved. Even with the Westbrook thing, talking about bringing up well, they had dinner with AD when he was throwing the contract. As long as the players do it, it's, it's nothing wrong with that. So, how do you feel about the comparison or throwing the Lakers into it about you know them getting away with quote unquote bloody murder with the tampering? I mean, every player, every every player, players do this in every sport. I mean, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> football quarterbacks do that all the time. Call guys up, like, hey, what you think about moving to this city when when you're a free agent? Come come ball with me. You know what I mean? Right. Like uh, when Aaron Rodgers was trying to demand trades, he was in the back door talking to Devonte Adams to come with him. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like, bro, it's like every 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 players do this in every sport. Uh, when you're able to talk with each other as players, you can say whatever you want to each other. It's not the same. You can't. Like you said, you can't you can't like regulate that because you start getting to very uh, very uh, tricky uh, very tricky measures, repressive me- measures regarding players' ability to, to to talk to each other, right? I mean, if you can't if you're if you're saying that players can't talk to each other about playing uh, on a certain teams, it's like it's like okay, if players are just like having a regular conversation. And just saying, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if we if we if we was all on this team and we was all playing together? That means you can't even have a regular combo like that. Right. You know what I mean, technically right. speaking, because you can't talk about playing on other teams. You know what I mean? It's just it's just not something you can do. And at the end of the day, it only has to be with front offices because front offices are the ones who sign the players. You know what I mean? They're the ones who offer the contracts, they're the ones who can pull the trades off to get the players. So they're the ones who need to be regulated. Players at the end of the day can't move players. No, they can't trade guys to get other guys. The, right, they, the can just, they can just make the suggestions or push for it. They can't. I think even Dame, Dame was trying to get Ubre to come to Portland, but he couldn't. Uh, he he couldn't pull him in. So yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he he's not the GM. He can't. Right. He can't do that. Right, right, right. So moving on, you know, Lakers signed the whole NBA the past week, uh, as people are saying, for twenty dollars. <laughs> The gang of guys on the minimum, which obviously led to the speculation. All these guys are on minimums. There's no promise. You know, I think a couple starting spots are up for grabs, particularly that two guard spot. Um, Definitely up for grabs. We don't know if AD's the five or not. Exactly. Exactly. We got we got a faction of guys who cover the Lakers saying AD is going to start the five. We got another faction of guys saying that he isn't. So I want to do two things. What? Two, I need two lineups from you. One, because we know Vogel by now is going to start year. Maybe both have a pretty good grasp on you know what Vogel prefers as far as his lineups, and AD as far as well what he prefers you know means a lot as far as what the Lakers put out there. Obviously, with what he wants to play and not. So I want you to give me your ideal starting five, and then the five that you think Vogel is going to put out there to begin with. So do Vogel's first, and then yours. Yeah, um, I think Vogel starting five will definitely somehow end up being LeBron, Baysmore. If if AD's the starting center, it's going to be LeBron, Baysmore, Ariza, uh, Westbrook, and AD. I think that's going to be the starting five because he loves defense. He loves guys who can who can guard. Um, and I think he would lean towards Baysmore because of also Baysmore's experience as well. Uh, Vogel loves vets. So I think I would like like somebody said because of how Baysmore def- is a defend three and D archetype and he's older. I, I mean that's not going to surprise me if he starts. And if AD's the not the five, 
again, Baseman would be starting at the two, AD would be the four, and then Gasol would probably be the five to space uh, if that in that situation. Now, who I would want <laughs> to see in the lineup, um, and a lot of people make the case for Monk because he shot 40%. He did that with no fans, so I'm just not very convinced. Don't kill my dreams, man. Don't no, kill my I'm just, dreams. I'm just not very convinced that's like a realistic type of situation. But I, I do know Kendrick Nunn has shot 36-plus percent past two years with and without fans. You know what I mean? So Kendrick Nunn, to me, is more reliable as a catch-and-shooter because he's done it, you know, in multiple situations. And also, he's shot that percentage with trash shot quality. You know what I mean? So – him getting that shot quality being so poor and still being productive in that shot quality, I think once his shot quality goes up, I think he'll definitely be able to even get off more better looks with the uh, with the Lakers. So I like Kendrick Nunn. Uh, he um, seems they say he seems like a, a aggressive onboard point of attack type that can fill in that kind of like that Dennis role similarly. Um, but uh, they say, but they say he's the the thing with him is his defense is predicated around how much touch he's got on offense. But again, we'll see how Vogel can work around that. But I think if you have him and Russ starting guarding guards, I think Russ is big enough to guard any type of guard. I think none would then be able to take uh, the starting one guards and let Russ be able to roam on the two guards or uh, take the the bigger guard, and while none takes the smaller guard. And then I think. Ariza again is the he's the ideal three in any type of team. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. said he was washed last year. Blah, he still shot thirty five percent from three from Miami. Washed, you know. So whatever, you know. What I mean, he's still effective. He still shoots league average from three, and he still guards the biggest wings, and he's still six nine. So you know, what I mean, at the end of the day, we needed wings. That's one of the best wings on the market. Defensively, he was not cooked. Yeah, he was kind of cooked offensively. Defensively, he was still great. Uh, Thomas gave the defensive numbers. Also, you can watch the film, and also the Heat people can vouch for him. Ariza was bet was more reliable defensively, so he was playing over Andre Iguodala. That's what happened. So yeah. you know what I mean. So it's like Ariza can still guard. He will start at the three. Um, there's no but there's no other better wing defender outside of LeBron and AD on the team than Ariza. So, um, and Ariza is better at guarding wings than Caruso was. FYI, but <laughs> uh, um, so it's just saying so. So yeah, so that's 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 my starting five. I would like to see none Westbrook, Ariza, LeBron, and AD. I think uh, none Ariza, Bron can all make the three, and uh, at a high level, at least enough to keep people teams honest. And they can also do more in terms of attacking closeouts than uh, just than just other regular shooters as well. And none also has the ability to shoot off the dribble. So you know if teams are sinking. And you ran none and AD pick and rolls, none would be able to beat drop coverage. So I think that's another key factor and why I would like none in that lineup because he could beat drop coverages if they're doing that to stop AD's role game. Right. So my, my question for you about that lineup, I, I get the did a great job explaining, you know, why you want that to work. You're not at all concerned about the size of the backcourt with 6'3", 6'2". Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, it's, it's me and I'm betting on two things. And I'm betting on the fact that Russ is on ball point of attack defense is, is really real. You know what I mean? That his, that his aggression on ball is really re- legit and that he'll be able to, with his strength and his athleticism, really be able to make big guards have to beat him off the dribble. And two, 
if AD's at the five, he's going to be a, a mistake cleaner. If LeBron's at the four, he's going to be a mistake cleaner. You talk about two of the best help defenders in the NBA. Like, that's just what it is. Those two are some of the best help, or, uh, elite help defenders. They're elite weak side defenders. So if you have LeBron and you have AD behind you, I'm banking on them to be able to cover for some of the Kendrick Nunn mistakes or some of the rest gambling mistakes because LeBron and AD don't have to check the wing. You don't have a reason doing that. Right, right, right. So, you know what I mean? So that's why that's my logic and is that you can get away with the small front court because you have Ariza checking the, the biggest wings. You have LeBron and AD now on your health side. And then you have Russ, who's a very physical uh, guard. He can guard some of the bigger guards in the NBA, like the SGAs and, you know, the um, Eric Gordons. Like Russ can guard those guys because he has the physical capability to do that. You know what I mean? So you can get away with that. In that situation, you have to start Ariza, obviously. You have to put Bron at the four and eighty at the five. But you can get away with two small guards in that lineup. Absolutely. Right. Okay. All right. So for me, I think that Mark – I think that – excuse me. I think Vogel, Vogel ends up going Mark, A.D., LeBron, Baysmore, and Russ. That's what I yeah. think happens. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I think happens. I think both in agreement there with Vogel. Right, just, I, 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 and I don't, I don't, I don't think Mark, I think he maybe goes that line for five minutes because, you know, Mark looked cooked, you know, a lot of last year, the Olympics was even worse. Uh, if we're being honest, <laughs> so oh, yeah. I don't think he's going to yeah. play a lot. I honestly don't think it, if, if he wasn't under contract, I think he would have retired. I think he's collecting his last bit of. But you, but you see why I feel like this dude is. They're not. They're not. Like they're starting AD at the five, bro. No, I, mean, I, I want you that. Just that. I, I, I think they're definitely finishing that way. I think the mark. Neither Mark nor Dwight is finishing. Is finishing any games. Uh, the starting lineup I want to see is Westbrook, Monk, Ariza, Brown, AD. The reason I like Monk, I did a deep dive into you know, his numbers. I'll give you the no fans thing. He has to show he can shoot with fans in the arena. I'll give you that. But two, the athleticism was off the charts. Yeah. Like I said, I did a deep dive of Monk. Devontae Grant just got a four-year, you know, $47 million deal. You look at the side-by-side of the deeper dive of their numbers, there's not much difference at all as far as effectiveness. Mm. And then that Monk's have, Monk has incredible athleticism. He gives some pop, you know, to the lineup. If that shooting is real... I like it. Not super big, but he's he's taller than none. Who's six two, so I think it's a little more size there. Uh, the defense, the defense is a fair question. My thing is, and this has been shown, when you put guys in a situation where they're going to win, and there's a high t- probability that they'll lose their minutes if they don't do something, they tend to defend better. I think yep. we've seen that with certain guys, and it's athleticism to do so. It's absolutely there. Super athletic, so it's a chance that can you know that can that can flip. I'm banking on that. That's why I prefer Monk. I do think he'll go a base more, A, for experience. Uh, B, size is a little bigger. Uh, the, I think the Lakers, the one thing, the defense the last couple of years, they've struggled with the super big wings, the, the you know, the Kawhis, the Paul Georges, guys of that nature. And that's Even, why I love the Ariza signing. Right, man. right, right. Even to, you know, Tatum's had big games. I think Ariza brings that back down to average, where they're not getting killed by those type of guys, in, in my opinion, I think, at least. Right. So, I'm, I'm I'm happy with that. I think the team is incredibly deep. Uh, Lakers, you know, were panicking. Fans were panicking after that first couple of days <laughs> after the Westbrook trade about what are we gonna do to fill these spots. I think Rob, man, like the 
the theory and practice was really good. We'll see how it works on the court, but I think the thinking wise was a independent of LeBron, the ability to get buckets should be there. It's going to be on Vogel to put them in position to succeed and be the depth. If you know, obviously if LeBron and AD miss, you know, miss get into the playoffs is over, but they have to miss time during the regular season. They won't drop from, you know, two to seven this year. It, it, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. LeBron or AD go down for a, a couple series in the Western Conference run. I think the Lakers have the talent with rest with Russ and with these guys around them. I think the Lakers have the talent to at least compete and, and maybe saying, pull, it, pull something off. Yeah, it won't be they won't be losing my thirty right without one of those yeah. guys like, like that. Won't be losing my thirty, but it'll be tough. They probably lose, but they're, just, they're not getting boat raced like this year. Like, it was yeah, just a wrap. They just, they just had no creation outside of, you know, LeBron like, and AD. Yeah, like, you know how the Clippers pushed the Suns and could have potentially won? Right, like, right, that's, right. that's how you can see the Lakers are with just Russ and AD or Russ and Braun. You know what I mean? Go out swing. Right. Kendrick Nunn, man, we need you to get that Reggie Jackson bump out here, baby. Yeah, yeah you get <laughs> it. You know, and, and that's the thing. We got Reggie Jackson candidates this year right, between right, Mark right. and Nunn. You know what I mean? So it's like we have a better chance, you know, this year, fighter's chance to withstand injury. Well, th- this is obviously kicking the can down the road, obviously. This is thinking way beyond – so obviously the hope is that these minimum guys play. The issue is with the Lakers cap situation, these guys play tremendously beyond these deals. You probably can't retain them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not. So, <laughs> so it's like, that's the only thing. I also think the undercover factor is Lakers have so many of these guys that if a trade presents itself, if something's getting too heavy, you can also have the flexibility to do that. And the last thing I want to talk to you about is a lot of people mentioned THT. I was actually shocked. I thought they let THT run one more summer league just to get his confidence up, but it shows the Lakers thing highly. I mean, if they're 20 years old, they're saying you don't need to be in summer league. So I'll say that they had, you know, BI out there at age 20 to give them, you know, to give a, a, a foundation of what they think of, of THT. Right. So I, right. what, um, what do you see – what role does he carve out for him? What role is carved out for him, in your opinion? Hey, man, that, <laughs> that – that, He did that, sign three three years, 32 mil extension. Well, is that just, you know, trade ballast or – THT, man, they're going to be banking on you. Because <laughs> that, that, that buddy heel for THT, Kendrick Nunn, Nunn trade – might, with with second rounders and the, and the first, it might be there. It, it might be there going out. You know what I mean? So, hey, THC, man, it's put up time for you, man. <laughs> it's put up time for you. Yeah, I think he produces. I think the, the other thing about the Lakers is they get those so many lineup combos at you. There's something for every team they face. They could be a chameleon team, seriously. I think they got to they have to balance that, too, with creating continuity with consistent minutes for, for guys in certain situations. But the ability to be chameleon-like is there. I think that's big, like, for playoff series. I think that's why you you, you see AD play the five. I think it's the only way you can really get – not only because they don't have a starting five outside of Anthony Davis, but it's the only way you're going to make these minutes make sense. I mean, you can get away with, you know, DMPs to either Dwight or Gasol based on how they look, or based on how they practice, or, you know what I mean? Or you can play them both with one having a six-minute stretch and the other having a six-minute stretch, depending on how they look. Like, you can get away with that type of type of stuff, right? 
it's going to be hard to sell, um, you know, Baysmore no, of no playing time. You know what I mean? Um, Melo's going to have to get his minutes because Bron's going to need rest. He's the only backup four on the roster. And I'm pretty sure they're going to sign Dudley. And most people are not going to want Dudley there. So Melo is going to have to play. You know what I mean? Just he has to. He's the backup four. And Arisas has to play because they need Arisas' presence on the defensive wing. So, um, you know what I mean? Just for guys, just for the starting two, uh, to play with, especially starting to Anariza to be able to come in together and then have that bench lineup where you can use uh, THT, you can use um, either Baysmore or Monk or none based on whoever's not starting, and then you a uh, combination of those two out of those three, and then you can go with backup of Mello, then you can go with uh, Dwight, right? I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a a, ver- a lot of uh, all bench lineups this year in the regular yeah. season. When a lot of people are talking about, oh, you up, we should keep one of Russ and Braun on the floor. Like, bro, these dudes are old, right? It's a regular season. We're not trying to <laughs> put that load on them. Yes, in playoff series, rest. that's the idea. But in the regular season, no, right? First of all, you got young guys who want to get PT and who can help your team, develop them to get them ready for the big moments and get your vets some rest. Bro, we don't want to play. We're old, so we can't be playing guys too many minutes. This is the time to run those all bench lineups, right? This is the time to use those Wayne Ellingtons and the and the uh, the third big in those reserve spot moments to to come in and spell guys too, so you don't overplay guys. Like we're gonna have to use everybody this year in the regular season. I actually think there will be minutes to go around. How much is I think will depend on PT uh, who's effective, uh, whoever's gonna play well. Uh, it's going to be interesting who plays well between Nunn and Monk and THT. Um, I'm of the mindset that all three of them can be effective. And uh, I just think when it comes to playoff time, though, Baysmore is just going to find himself in the lineup. Yeah. Like, that's just my, like, I just, I've already foreseen it. You know what I mean? Like, LeBron and Westbrook are going to have the ball in their hands. It just makes more sense for a guy like Baysmore to play, you know, over guys like Nunn and Monk who are would be best served coming off the bench, right? Like give him a little spark, yeah. spark off the bench and second unit type of scoring. Right. There it is. Y'all got it, man. We, we, we'll see what happens, man. I'm, I'm interested to see what, what the Lakers do with the with all these bodies they have, especially Carmelo. We didn't really touch on him, but uh, I'm interested to see what his, his role is too. Anyway, the next time you hear us, it will be recorded from the Las Vegas Blue Wire studio. Yes, man. sir. Again, once again, appreciate y'all. Y'all put us on the uh, – "Quote unquote charts <laughs> to get us get us to get us invited. <laughs> if you ever clicked, you know, download and listen to us consistently, man, we appreciate you. Absolutely, um, man, for real. So that's that's, that's love. Um, again, follow it's Kingsborough on Twitter. Myself, JJ Maples fifty five underscore MST. We will see you next. Recording will be from Vegas, and we are out of here. Yes, sir. Peace, y'all.